Hey friends, and welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast. Moving Mountains is a place to hear true stories of modern day miracles told by ordinary people just like you and me. My name is Paige, and I'm joined here in Alaska by my dear friends, Margaret and Bernadette, as we witness accounts of how God has worked in people's lives in big and small ways. As you listen to these stories of hope, answered prayers, and unexplained phenomena, we invite you to allow this space to inspire your faith and even to help you recognize the ways in which God is moving mountains in your own life. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Moving Mountains podcast. Um, it's actually been a couple months since we've recorded, and it's good to be back in studio with you. <laughs> Our studio moves around, by the way. We don't have a formal studio. <laughs> um, I'm super excited for today's guest, and I will introduce him in a minute. But um, yeah, we actually took a little break for a big reason, so... Bernadette had a lovely little baby girl very recently, mm-hmm. and she is beautiful and wonderful and doing great, and we're just so happy for you. So we wanted to give her time to, you know, be a mom, get sleep when she can, all that. <laughs> um, so we're happy to be back with you, and we're so happy that your baby girl is beautiful and healthy, Thanks, and Margaret. she was baptized very recently as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, today... We welcome Mr. Mark Hart uh, to the podcast, and Mark is what I would call a famous Catholic. So, especially in the world, <laughs> especially you should see his face. Especially in the world of youth ministry, um, has had a huge impact there. He's affectionately known as the Bible Geek. I believe that's your handle on Instagram. Maybe I don't know. It you can might tell just us be. more. <laughs> tell us more later. Um, has written several books. Um, contributes to all sorts of resources for youth ministry, some of which I've used. So thank you, Mark, for helping me um, mm-hmm. in my ministry, especially a youth alteration recently. So um, such a gift. Um, he's the CIO of Life Teen down in Arizona. I will let you let him tell you what CIO stands for. I, I really like it. Um, <laughs> he has a wife and four children, deeply loves the faith, and literally helps spread the gospel across the globe, um, which is the most important thing we can do with our lives, I think. So welcome, Mark, to the Moving Mountains podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. I'm going to bring the heat up there to to Alaska. This is great. Awesome. (laughs) So excited to hear your story. Um, But before we get started, I believe Paige has a very important question for us. Yes, I do. And I'm actually very passionate about this question. So (laughs) I'm nervous. When you are referring to your cousin's mother, okay, your cousin's mother, do you say aunt or aunt? <laughs> Mark? <laughs> I was not expecting this. Uh, the deep question inquiring minds. I don't know. I call him, I call her aunt. Aunt? I, uh, maybe that's in, I mean, it's wrong. I don't know. No, uh, that's but yeah, the right I was going with aunt. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's that age old question. If you're, if you're watching the movie, you're riding the ride. Is it the Pirates of the Caribbean or the Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> yeah. Truth. All right, Why? that'll be the next one. Why is that one? different? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we'll do a poll on Instagram for that So, Margaret, I'm I, guessing. I think it depends where you're from, but aunt for sure. But I think it's because I'm from the Midwest, and we kind of extend our A's, aunt, instead mm-hmm. of aunt. Aunt mm-hmm. sounds British to me, so mm-hmm. how about you, Bernadette? Yeah, we grew up saying aunt as well, but we do have multiples in our family. Like I have an aunt Nancy and an aunt Nancy, both on my mom's side. <laughs> so like we use it to distinguish which one we're talking about or talking to. That's funny. So yeah, but otherwise all ants. <laughs> what about you, Paige? Well, I am well educated. So I say aunt. <laughs> you Texan. <laughs> well, no, because like, I got that in California. Yeah. Actually, I think more Texans probably say aunt would be my guess. She prefaces with I'm well educated. <laughs> the rest of you are morons. All of you have great. tiny little insects. <laughs> Your aunt. Hey, that's the first time you've ever said all of you instead of y'all. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's the Californian me coming out. <laughs> oh um, good question, Paige. And it's always funny to see how these things come. So, um, yeah, now I'm going to hand it over to Mark. So you can, if you want to say more about yourself, please do. But we're excited to hear your story as well. So you have the floor. Oh, wow. My, um, <laughs> there's really not a lot to tell. The most important thing you said is, yeah, I'm a, I'm a husband to a, a living saint named Melanie and, um, four saint making machines. Um, my Amen. eldest is about to turn 21, which will take the rest of my hair right off my head. Oh. Um, 
<laughs> and then I, so I have one uh, out of college. I have uh, a junior in high school. I have a freshman in high school, uh, two, two more daughters. And then the dude, the only boy, he is uh, in third grade. So we have a smattering going on right now. That's um, awesome. That's great. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, just, just amazingly blessed. Um, and yeah, I've been working in, I'm starting my, um, I'm about to start my 29th year in youth ministry, which wow. is kind of ironic because I told God when I started, I would give him one year and that, um, <laughs> he's kind of parlayed that. But uh, no, it's, I'm, I grew up a typical Catholic. Um, I'm the fifth of six kids. I'm the fourth of five boys. I uh, grew up in the Midwest before we moved to the desert. Thank God for no humidity, <laughs> no snow. No, nothing personal, ladies. Um, no, but I just, uh, I mean, I was a parochial school kid. Um, it was like a typical, you know, Irish German Catholic family. We never missed mass, never missed grace, uh, never opened a Bible, never prayed as a family, never talked about God. Um, we, yeah, I actually heard, I heard God's name invoked more on the way to mass than I actually ever heard in mass. Mm, um, wow. Yikes. You know, it was just kind of our family. So, and we were the family. We'd, we'd be running in late. You know, usually one or two of us boys were serving, serving mass. We're altar servers. And if we get there late and someone was sitting in the heart's pew, I mean, you better believe my my late father, he would burn a hole in the back of someone's head with a laser <laughs> beam focus. Like, that was our that was our pew. But, um, but no, it was it was one of those, like, you know, the faith was just, you know, something that was it was expected, um, but not really um, talked about, you know, outside of grace or outside of, outside of sacrament prep and mass. So when I turned um, 16, we were getting, we used to get confirmed down here in Arizona, uh, junior in high school. Um, and my mom told me I was going to go get confirmed. And I said, I don't, I don't want to get confirmed. I don't want to go through the classes. I wasn't really even sure I wanted to be Catholic anymore because uh, I wasn't sure what I believed. I wasn't even sure if I believed in God at that point. I think I did, but I wasn't positive. And uh, I said, I'm not going to go on the confirmation retreat. And she said, you're going to lose your truck. And I said, when's the retreat? <laughs> um, oh, so no, I, yeah. I went along and I mean, I remember it vividly. I mean, I remember the retreat center. I remember, uh, all the other teens who were there who wanted to be there. Um, I remember the goofy, you know, youth director. I remember the horrible music. I remember, <laughs> um, I remember the, the, the priest I did not like cause he spoke, you know, hard truth. Um, I remember mm. the smell of burnt grilled cheese in the air from, from the volunteers <laughs> who did not take wow, their, the role very seriously. I remember they actually had, this was back in the days. You, maybe you might remember this. I'm older than all of you, but they used to take butcher paper and they would like, like paint, like they'd like write the lyrics of like a song on butcher paper. And they'd hang it up on the walls. Oh, yep, I remember gosh, watching yep. two of the catechists, two of the volunteer corps members. They were literally hanging up this butcher paper with the song lyrics over a sign that says, please do not hang anything on these walls. And I'm like, <laughs> are these catechists illiterate or just disobedient? I mean, it was, it was really ironic. And I sat there for two, the better portion of two and a half days, two days. And I, all I really did um, was mock people. I mocked the youth minister for their first terrible jokes. Mm. I made my small group leader's life a living Hades. I mean, it was just bad. I mean, <laughs> I'd be rolling my eyes at other kids who, um, who actually in retrospect had a lot of courage, uh, and a lot of humility because they were actually contributing to the small group. They were answering questions. They were trying. Um, but I was just, I was a very um, prideful, egocentric, uh, egomaniacal, narcissistic, broken 16 year old. I, I, um, I thought I had everything figured out. I mean, I, I, I had, I was a junior in high school. I had three varsity letters. I had a senior girlfriend. I had a truck. I loved, I did not need God. I didn't need anything. You had everything, right? <laughs> I had everything that a 16 year old boy could want. Um, and, and I was on a, I was on the HOV lane to hell. I mean, it was great. I, I, mm -hmm. I was a, I was completely, I was a complete narcissist, you know, and I was very broken on the inside, but everything was very shiny and put together on the outside. So no right. one really knew. And, um, yeah, I just, I was living like it's just a, just a decadent, selfish life. So I'm on this retreat, and for two days, I was just making fun of kids who actually were a lot more spiritually and emotionally mature than I was, a lot more, um, a lot more self-confident than I was. I was just this very sarcastic, very snarky 16-year-old kid. Nothing's really changed in that way. It's still my love language. But, um, <laughs> but on the Sunday morning of the retreat, uh, the priest came out in his little dress. I didn't know what a chasuble was, even though I was parochial <laughs> school trained. My parents wasted a lot of money. Uh, and they, they read the readings. I don't remember the readings were from. I don't remember any of the songs that were sung. I don't remember the homily. I remember the, the, the pattern on the carpet square I was sitting on because I was looking down. I was just memorizing the pattern. And then time for the consecration came. And, um, I didn't know it was called the consecration, even though I was an altar server. <laughs> I was a good altar yes. server too. Um, the priest went behind the altar. And he uttered the words of consecration. I didn't know they came from scripture. Um, should have. I uh, didn't know they were Jesus's words. Should have. And uh, and he said, you know, those words, and I've heard the words a million times in my life. He said, this is my body. And for whatever reason in that moment, 
I can't explain why. It struck me that he said, this is my body, not this is Jesus's body. Even though those have been the words I'd heard a million times. He, I, I thought to myself, why did he say this is my body? And I remembered the priest you know, had said before, and I remember hearing in school at one point, and probably my confirmation prep if I was paying attention, they had said, this is not a symbol of Jesus. This is really Jesus, you know, um, body, blood, soul, divinity. And I, I didn't really believe it. But for whatever reason, the moment in that moment, in that mass, in this dank little retreat center in the mountains of Arizona, for whatever reason, in my cold, self-involved 16-year-old life, in that moment, I just said to myself, in my heart, I just in my head, I just said, what if, as the, like, as in, like, what if that's really God? Like, what if that is really Jesus mm-hmm. and not a piece of bread? Mm-hmm. And all, the only thing I can say is, like, I can't explain what happened in that moment. It was like, it was like the... Um, like my mind and my heart for the first time, probably my life really connected, right? Like just with, with, a, with a, a, an ethereal question. Hmm. And I asked that question and no sooner did I ask it, than I felt a force that I cannot even begin to explain just overpower me, like overwhelm me. It was almost like, like God was reaching down from heaven, like grab me by the shirt and pull me right up into his face. And I just, my heart, I just heard him say like, Mark, you're mine and I'm never letting you go. Hmm. And, it was, it was like, I, I just, I just began weeping. I mean, I began mm-hmm. weeping like a little girl scout who had her cookies stolen. I mean, I could <laughs> wow. not, I could not control. It was like, it was like ugly crying. Right. Mm-hmm. And I sat back against the wall cause I was in the very back. Cause that's where all the good Catholics sit. And I sat back against <laughs> the wall and I was just uncontrollably sobbing while I watched all these kids that I made fun of for two days, walking forward, like just, just rejoicing, singing songs of praise on their lips, you know, like going forward to receive the God of the universe. And here I was, and I was overwhelmed with two realities. Number one, that there was a God, that there was absolutely no question at all in my mind, my heart, my soul, my being, there's a God. Mm-hmm. And number two, for the first time in my life, it wasn't me. Um, God was like, God revealed to me like, Hey, Mark, you've been worshiping the minor Trinity of me, myself and I, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I sat back just so overwhelmed. I couldn't go to communion. I couldn't even pick myself up. Mass ended. Everyone kind of went on with their day. They were going to go start cleaning cabins and load the bus. And I just walked outside, like just like my world has been completely turned upside down. And the priest came out and he was kind of going to a different area where he was going to go divest and stuff. And he saw me. It was obviously emotional. And he asked me if I wanted to go to confession because I had knock on. Uh, and I said, no. <laughs> he said, are you sure? And I said, no. <laughs> so we sat down and I had my confession in a long time and we started into uh, the sacrament, you know, and, and, and I just, I, again, I was like, just really, I didn't like him because he was like, he was this, this truth speaker and I was very uh, challenged by him. So I decided, I decided instead of um, embracing the challenge during the retreat, I was just going to vilify him. So in my head, I didn't like him. So I was very, even after that moment, I was really kind of, I was kind of like a jackass during communion. I mean, sorry, during confession. And he's like, you know, he's like, trying to help me get going. He's asking me questions and trying to help me move through my, you know, my, my examination of conscience. And, but I remember I was, he was, I was even snarky then. He's like, you know, well, are you sexually active? I was like, are you, I mean, like I was just so rude. <laughs> um, wow. but, but then eventually like that wall came down during confession too. And this poor priest, but we were done. I mean, I was in there for 20 minutes. I mean, his stole was just covered in like tears and snot. Like after 20 oh. minutes, it was just a disaster, but it was a beautiful, I was a beautiful wreck. And I loaded that bus. Nobody would talk to me. Like nobody in the whole group liked me because I was such a sarcastic little jerk. I sat in the back of the bus by myself and I was just all of a sudden like the weight, the weight of sin had been lifted, but now I was coming face to face with my true self. And I was like, wow, I have like, I, I mean, now that now I know there's a God, it's not me. Now I have issues. Um, mm-hmm. I have big issues and I have to like look at in my life because once you confront the reality of God and then you, and then you're like overwhelmed by God's mercy. Well, now you can't go back to being the same person. Like you have you know, you have decisions to make. So I was like, well, I got to break up with my girlfriend and I got to stop hanging out with those people. And I got to stop talking like this. I got to stop driving like this. I got to stop being like this with my parents. Like, so like the whole like litany of things I needed to change were coming out. And I just sat in the back of the bus and I'd never been so alone and so afraid, but in, in a weird, strange way, so consoled that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that, that God was with me. And, uh, and I went home and that, that began the first of like a thousand conversions that I've had. Um, I never like it when people talk about like their one, like, it, like, well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say I don't like it. I think there are a lot of people who believe their conversion story has to be some seminal moment, some Saul on the road to Damascus, knocked mm-hmm. on your butt kind of moment where, where, and, and they feel like if they don't have like this Hollywood testimony, that's not that God's not at work or something's wrong with them. You know, right. it's like, I used to, 
you know, snort cocaine. Now I just smoke weed and I'm right. converted. And you're like, no, it's not. No, no. Like, ho- hold on. You know, like conversion is an ongoing thing. We, sh- we, we should be going through conversion every single day, right? Where we're, where we're just, just surrendering to God and to his, and his providence and his will for us, his mercy. And so that was, that was the beginning, but that was, I mean, that was a turning point. I mean, I, I basically, I changed my social life. I broke up with my girlfriend. I, uh, I tried to like make better decisions. So all of a sudden I was not getting invited to parties. I had a lot of, I had a lot of Fridays and Saturdays after that where I was like sitting on the couch with my, you know, 60 something year old parents watching Walker, Texas Ranger because you know, <laughs> I had no social life anymore. Um, but it was the best thing that could have happened to me. And, uh, and right around that time, I was very blessed that that life teen had just started at my parish. So as I was trying to navigate, um, a new life and becoming a new, a new creation in Christ, um, the Lord dropped a youth minister in front of me who was just a, a really good man of God and uh, mm-hmm. began to walk with me. Um, I developed a relationship and a friendship with that priest um, and several core members. And I just began, I, I, they, they, I, they taught me how to pray the rosary. Um, one core member started teaching me kind of like how to start reading the gospels. And uh, I just kind of jumped in with both feet. And then there was a, so much grace that came out of that life team program in that parish. I mean, um, so many really faithful men and women. I mean, faithful and all their different vocations, all their different jobs, faithful priests came out of there, religious. I mean, it was just, we, we, we had an adoration chapel with a perpetual adoration. We started, we, we started a team program, like a lot of grace came out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look back and I just, I you can so tangibly see in retrospect, isn't that funny how that works in life? Like you, it's, it's always in retrospect, you can see grace tangibly mm-hmm, and yeah. physically and practically, mm-hmm. you know, and usually it's, it takes that time to get that perspective. Um, but that was like the beginning of my walk, you know, and, and, uh, and I, so, I, so I'm, I, so fast forward, I go to college. I'm not planning on working in ministry at all, at all. Um, I wanted to be on Saturday night live. We I never did not do. want to work in ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I just did not. Uh, and I, and I really had a heart for video production and, um, doing stuff behind the camera in front of the camera. Like I really wanted it to, I was going to be like, a, I was going to be a broadcaster and I was going to like be a producer. And, and, uh, I had, I was, I was doing my undergrad at the university of Notre Dame and, um, I, I said yes to this, this job in production. And I already said, yes, it's on the contract. And then I get this phone call from that priest. And he says, there's something I want you to pray about, which is most of the most manipulative thing a priest can say. It really is. You know? <laughs> I want you to pray about it. Like, thanks a lot. You know? Um, so I pulled a Rudy. I went down to the grotto where Rudy went and cried and prayed and stuff so he could play football. And I, I prayed, uh, to our lady, asking for intercession. And I just felt this peace in my heart. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, so I went back to my room. I called a production company. I said, I have to, res- I have to take back my contract. I- I'm not going to do it. Oh. Uh, they offered me more money. I was like, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to do it. Um, and then wow. I called the priest and I said, I'll take the job uh, and I'll live on food stamps. And then, um, <laughs> and then I had to call my father <laughs> and tell oh, him that I, uh, I was turning down the, the, the well paying job that was really glamorous. And I was going to go be our parish youth minister. The, 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 the silence was deafening and that was mm. really, really strained a relationship for a while. Mm. Um, but I told God, I mean, I mean, I was, all, I was very, I, I was barely 21. I was, I was young graduate. I was like, no, mm. I'll give you one year. God, I literally give you one year. And here we are. And it's been almost 30 <laughs> and it's been a, a wild, unimaginable ride. And all I can say is if you've ever been afraid of saying yes to God because of what you might be giving up, um, that's all the more reason to say yes to him because mm. he's never outdone in generosity. And mm. not only have I, made the best friends uh, and worked the greatest coworkers and the greatest staff on the planet in the church. Um, I've gotten to, uh, I've gotten to do things and experience things and create things that I never would have gotten to do uh, had I followed my original path. So I really, I, I, I am so uniquely and insanely blessed. It's really insane. Wow. Wow. What a powerful story. That's a long story. Sorry. That's a real <laughs> no, long story. I'm Irish. I'm, <laughs> I'm chatty. <laughs> I, am, I am too, and I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> Give me a microphone, and it's over. Hey, some of our well, you, you and your wrong. you and your aunt are you yeah. and your aunt are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any, any aunts out there? They're kind of luck. <laughs> okay, okay. That, that was actually pretty succinct as far as like the stories on our podcast go. Well, I have a yeah. feeling Mark's told the story maybe a million times. <laughs> <laughs> Not a million, but, but I also am aware that people listening to a podcast can either speed it up or just hit that like 30 second forward button, you know, so they're bored. Just like, like, all right, all right. Good nice. stuff at the end. Get to the many miracles. Oh, I know. God, stop talking. Gosh, so much of what you said resonates with me. Um, that moment in, in the retreat when you just like God just hit you. It's like a tidal wave and the, the tears came. I call those Holy Spirit tears 
Um, I had an experience like that when I was 11, but I didn't know what it was, you know, it was years later. Um, but that whole idea of what you said about, you know, you weren't going to be in ministry and God will give you a year. Um, I realized kind of later in my life that a yes that I had said years and years ago, 20 plus years ago, brought me into ministry at, I, I was, I'm an older youth minister. We've talked about this. Like God called me to ministry at, in my thirties. And I was like, I'm not, I've said this before. Like I'm not this young 20 something. I'm, I'm in my thirties. I can't work with I totally am. But I, so I said yes to this invitation years ago. And then I realized that yes led me to this job, which you just said it beautifully. Like God, I said, yes, I came to Alaska and God is not done outdone in generosity. Like I can't even believe the things that I've gotten to do. And, you know, I'm going to Europe for world youth day this summer, just things like that, where I'm like, I've never expected all the that. Travel flex. You've done. <clears throat> flex. <laughs> like, I'm going to Europe. Yeah. <laughs> so honestly, it just resonates and it's kind of like, okay, God, I don't know how long this is going to last. Here I am in Alaska. There's no one I know, you know, I don't have any family up here. Granted, I have these amazing women, but the, the beauty of like, the parallels of the journey of saying yes to God. Cause a lot of what you said was like, yes, I was completely resonating with me because of saying yes. Mm-hmm. And, and our stories have, are completely have noticed, different. Have you ever noticed you know, and it's really, uh, it's, it's fascinating in the 73 books of scripture with, with maybe one or two exceptions, nothing truly great happens to almost any major character in scripture, man or woman until God has moved them mm. or moved them out of their comfort zone. Like it's very rare that hometown kid makes good and just gets to chill at home. Like God moves them physically, geographically. God moves them vocationally. God moves them occupationally. But I mean, I mean, almost no one. I mean, he, he, it's, it's almost like, um, I'm going to break you and remake you in the best possible way. Like I'm going to shake well before using, right? So I'm going to kind of take you and shake you <laughs> free of all, of all your comfort zones and all your, exactly. of all your expectations. And now, now I can remold you, you know? Exactly. Definitely. So just on that same thread, you know, a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably relating to what Margaret said. Oh, I recognize those God moments in my life where I had this overwhelming presence or even just maybe on a slighter level, just a sense of God working and drawing me in a certain direction. But there's probably also people listening who can't relate at all. You know, they might just be in that in that time in their life where God is moving them toward some type of relationship or, or, um, encounter with him. And so I'm just wondering when you were that 16 year old before this encounter, was there any awareness of like a lack or emptiness or like, you know, anything in you that maybe somebody could relate to who's like, I haven't had this God experience. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Was there, was there anything before that you know, or were you just like completely unaware and so happy with the, your self-centered, you know, 16 year old life? I, I think I was telling myself I was happy and fulfilled. Mm. Um, I think if I was really, if I, I mean, and, and I mean, again, how self-aware are you at 16? I mean, it, and there's, and <laughs> you can't great. put a, you can't put a time limit on, I mean, you could have, you could have a 14 year old who's, you know, so self-aware living saint, and you could have, you know, a 21 year old that still doesn't, you know, can't, can't find their own conscience with a comp, with a compass, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or probably even, I, I think, I think, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, really, I mean, I, I've said before, and I actually wrote about this in, a, in, uh, in a book, I, that the journey from your head to your heart is the longest journey anyone will ever take in their lifetime. Um, you can be a platinum medallion flyer and traverse the globe, but the journey from your head to your heart is the longest one. Um, and I think for, for most of us, you know, if, if we, whether we, whether or not we were raised in the faith, that doesn't necessarily mean a lot. I mean, you know, um, we hear that, that, that parents are the primary catechists, right? That's what the catechism tells us. Well, childbirth does not a primary catechist make, right? Um, right you have to have a, a parent who has a willingness to enter into the mystery of God and to, you know, have that dialogue and, and, and set up faith practices and, you know, and, and introduce religion. Religion is such like a dirty word to people nowadays. It's so funny. It's it the etymology of religion means to, to cling together. It, it, the etymology just means that this is, this is the way in which we know God. It's, it's a, it's a process by which we come to know God. So it's not like it's a, a dirty word at all. Um, but I think there's for a lot of us, you know, I like, I was raised in what I would call a Catholic home, but we did not, I did not have a Catholic understanding of anything. Right. We, uh, we did not have a developed family prayer life or anything like that. So 
I think I'm not unlike a lot of people, um, whether or not, you know, that person goes to church or didn't go to church. For me, it was going through the rituals, going through the process, but I wasn't really like introduced to that, that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So I think when you don't have that thing, the kind of the cliche is like that God shaped hole that you, that, you know, God puts a, a, a he puts a, a, a desire for us, for him in our heart. Like we're created for a desire for him. And St. Paul talks to the Romans and he says, listen, in Romans one, he says, listen, you can look, basically nobody has an excuse for atheism is what St. Paul says. He says, you should be able to look around the world, Romans one twenty, and you should be able to tell by the beauty and the intricacy of the design of creation that there must be a creator. Like, like he basically, he basically was saying is you can't look up to the night sky and see the stars and claim there's no creator. Like there's just, that's, that's mm-hmm. just a hold water. And he's telling this to the Romans 2000 years ago. We had gods for everything. Um, I think that what ends up happening is if, if you don't have a prayer life, um, and you don't, you're never taught how to pray because people say prayer helps your relationship with God. That is such a fallacy. That is complete and utter nonsense. Prayer does not help your relationship with God. Prayer is your relationship with God. Ooh. If you don't pray, you don't have one. Mm. Right. So if you're never taught to pray, um, what ends up happening is you begin, you begin this, the slow and steady descent into self because we're all designed for worship. So if, if we don't worship a God, we're going to worship something else, right? Yep. We're going to worship nature. We're going to worship self. We're going to worship hot yoga, whatever. I don't care. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, we are designed to worship something or someone. And if we are, if we do not know God, if we're never introduced to God, well, then we're eventually going to end up on self because what ends up happening is, is if you, if you don't pray, then you begin to doubt. Um, if, 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 hey, say you're introduced to the faith, say, say that you were born with faith, but then as you get older, you start to abandon the faith. And it's like a slow and steady progression. Um, I'm going to begin by doubting God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to doubt his fidelity. Then I'm going to doubt his very goodness. Then I'm going to doubt his very existence. You know, I mean, I mean, like it's like the slow descent, but it happens over time. Mm-hmm. That's if you're born with faith and then abandon it. If you're never taught to pray, well, then you go into it already kind of wondering, you know, like, is there a God at all? Or, or maybe an agnostic, like, I don't know, I don't care. So what you would be doing is you start looking into creation to fill that void rather than the creator, right? right? So I'm going to continue to look around in creation and I'm going to find those created things to fill the spot that only the uncreated can fill. Mm-hmm. And it says in Hebrews, it says like, I'm going to shake you free of all created things so that all that is left is what is uncreated, the one who is uncreated. Mm-hmm. And when we look around our lives, God shakes us like he, he intentionally shakes us. And, and sometimes he shakes us through life experiences and events, good and bad that he might allow. Sometimes you know, he shakes us. Um, I mean, like people say well, he shakes us because he doesn't love it. No, he shakes us because he does love us because he's trying to shake us free of the created things. Right. So someone, you know, they, they, they drink too much. They get in a the car, they get a DUI. Oh, why God? Why? And they shake, they shake their fist to the heavens. Well, that's not God's fault, but maybe he allowed it to be able to shake you free of that addiction. Right. So that you can now live in freedom. Right. right. But it wasn't his fault. Like that wasn't his sin. So there's some things he's going to allow you know, that, that's shaking because of our own sin. There's other things that he's going to uh, allow, you know, um, you know, whether it's a job loss, a health scare, yep. something else that happens like in a family or a relationship, he's going to allow certain things because he knows that that's almost the only way to get our attention. Cause ultimately he's more worried about our eternal salvation than he is our, our day to day happiness mm-hmm. right now. And everything he so does. I guess, I, would, I guess I would say so that person that maybe was in that place I was is if, if you've never prayed, that's okay. And prayer does not have to be, I mean, we had that, like that, remember the, remember the original meet the parents when Ben Stiller was supposed to lead grace and he starts speaking like in this Victorian, <laughs> like, Oh, from the font of thou blessing day by day by day. And I think w- people hear ornate prayers or they don't have that nomenclature and they feel like they're somehow, um, unworthy or substandard yeah. and it's not i mean um saint therese says that a prayer is just merely an ascent of the heart to heaven you know so i would say to anyone who doesn't know how to pray maybe listen to this or maybe was never taught to pray it's not about can you pray a rosary backwards 17 times a day in latin it's <laughs> can you fall on your knees before the god of the universe and just say um god i, I don't I don't know you, but I trust you or God, I want to know you or God, would you reveal yourself to me or God, do you love me? Or, or even if you can't get those words out to follow what St. Paul tells the Philippians and that the, the most powerful prayer you can ever pray is just the name of Jesus, just, mm-hmm. to, just to say his name over and over and over and ask that, that Jesus would just reveal his love to you um, in your heart, you know, would reveal his love to you in some way, you know, and then it's dangerous. Just stand back because, you know, the sheep are such silly sheep. We can run, but the shepherd runs faster. Yeah. I, I love your story because I feel like in this day and age, probably most Catholics, probably most Christians, most people in general 
can relate to being in that place of even if I even if I was exposed to the faith, I it, there was no head and heart connection. There was no relationship with, with God. It was kind of these motions that we went through um, or like the routine of going to mm-hmm. the church service or mass together on Sundays. And otherwise, God, you know, wasn't really a part, an important part of our lives. So it's it's just a beautiful example of it doesn't matter whether you were born and raised cradle Catholic in a very, you know, deep faith situation or if you were just kind of this surface level family of some Mm -hmm. type of faith that god can step in and touch anyone's heart and you you know just anyone who's listening is now aware wow i could be taken from a place so far from god where i don't even believe him or trust in him or really care about him and one second later i might actually be aware of something completely different Mm -hmm. so it might just truthfully yeah. And it, it, and even if you don't go to mass yet, you know, I mean, God can, I mean, like we, 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 you can baby step into that relationship with him. I mean, maybe you're like, I'm just not comfortable. I'm agnostic. I'm not comfortable praying to a God. I'm not sure is there. It's okay. You know, that's why podcasts like this exist. That's why mm-hmm. books exist. That's why there are countless blogs and there are countless videos you can watch. That's why like something as beautiful as like the chosen, you know, mm-hmm. is leading millions of people who otherwise might not engage or might not even think about these things, it's causing them to actually have a, a, a discourse or a conversation within themselves because mm-hmm. it's impossible to, to even give it, you know, it's, I would say, I've been telling people, I'm like, look, give it, give it one show, give it one or two episodes. Like watch, watch one episode. I mean, because it elicits a response in you, you know, and, and it's so well done and the mm-hmm. characterizations are so well done and the writing is so good and it's so accessible. It's not this, it's not this portrayal of Jesus with this English accent who seems so inaccessible. He's almost like an alien being on our planet. Right. It's just, it's yeah. so human mm-hmm. and so humane. Yes. And it really, I think better than any other articulation I can think of in, in the last you know, 15, 20 years has really done a great job of personifying Christ incarnationally, mm-hmm. personifying the characters. Yeah. It really makes not just scripture makes like makes Jesus really come to life in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And I think it really, it, it solicits and elicits a conversation, you know, as a starting point that, that could really lead to prayer. It could lead to a robust yeah. prayer life. You know, so there's, there's, there's a hundred ways God's trying to get our attention and it doesn't always have to just be the pastor at the pulpit. Right. I mean, the, mm-hmm. like you're trying to get our attention. You could be driving and you're listening to satellite radio or like, you know, like AM, like, you know, Christian radio, whatever, you, but he's going to get through somehow, you mm-hmm. know, we just, we just are so, blind and so deafened oftentimes by sin or by selfishness that it's like all, all our walls are up, you know, and our, and our ears are plugged and our, our eyes are closed. And he's just trying to, that's why retreats are so important. Right? He's just trying to get our attention, trying to get us away from the distractions and get our attention again. It's that what if question, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. what if question like you had, it was like, you literally cracked the door and God was like, I'm flinging this wide open, you know? So everyone, we all have our own. Did you have something you want to say Paige? Oh, um, Yes. But yeah, also just going off of what you were saying, Mark, like the Hallow app as well has been, mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. I think that was ranked like number three app across the board, like not even in Christian realm, but like across the board. After, it blew up at Lent. I do know. Yeah. That. After uh, Mark Wahlberg, you know, started his 40 day challenge. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just kind of going back to what Bernadette was saying um, and what you were saying, Mark, I really loved in the beginning, how you were saying how some people don't have this huge conversion moment necessarily. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked at the Pines Catholic camp in Texas for a couple years um, in college. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I kind of felt that way because, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic. Uh, I never doubted the existence of God. Um, just a good Catholic family, basically. And all of these counselors just had these amazing conversion stories of, you know, I had this issue. I had this issue. I had this issue. And I was just sitting there like, I don't like, I guess God doesn't love me the way he mm. loves them. You know, like I didn't mm-hmm. experience any of mm-hmm. that, um, which it, in retrospect is a huge blessing. The money I've saved on therapy. No, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I am not, I don't feel Catholic enough or like, I don't mm. feel you know, like good enough to be a counselor here. But going back, I was realizing that the head and the heart connection is like, 
I have all of this knowledge about the Catholic faith. Like my parents did an amazing job. Um, my mom would give us like my little brother and me quizzes every week on the Catholic faith. <laughs> and if we didn't pass it, it, then we had to take it again. Um, and so I just I, wanted a Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I had all this knowledge, but I was realizing at the camp that my heart, it was like, okay, I know that's Jesus in the Eucharist. How many times have I been told that? But I don't feel that that's Jesus in the Eucharist. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until one of my best friends, Lana, who I actually at the time, I didn't really even know her. Um, I saw her receive communion. And the way that she received the Eucharist mm -hmm. was kind of like you in, in your story of when the priest said, this is my body that just like made you be like, wait, what? <laughs> right. um, mm -hmm. But for me, it was this moment of like, whoa, that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like The way that she looked at the at the host that she was holding and, and the Eucharist and placed it in her mouth and and just walked away from the priest and got back into her pew, I was like, oh my, does anyone else realize that that was Jesus? <laughs> like, she just consumed him um, wow. as I'm like about to go up and consume him also, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, that was a really huge turning point for me, for my head and my heart to connect. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I just it's, like- It's what, almost, I, I love you said consumed him. You know, it's, it's, um, it's like we get so wrapped up in the fact that we're consuming him, but when you actually come to the realization that that's the God of the universe, you're like, actually, he's consuming me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm consumed. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. by, by grace <laughs> and by love. And you're like, oh my God. And it's like, it's like this, it's like this tiny difference, but it's like the biggest difference. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like when the connection goes, like, click and you're like, oh, you know, like, uh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, so that's why I should go to confession. Oh, yeah, that's going to be this Sunday now when I receive. Yeah. <laughs> but I, what I love about this too is that, like Mark said, if you're listening and you don't even pray, that's okay. You, you know, you don't need mm -hmm. to sit there and be like, "Wow, I haven't had any of these realizations. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what the Eucharist is." Or if you do, you thought it was a symbol your whole life or whatever. It's it's wherever you are is okay. And um, this some this some story, of the greatest saints, some of the greatest saints that we pray with and we hail and we talk about their stories what they all have in common is they began as atheists i mean <laughs> yeah. and there are countless saints and, and i mean in our in you go back and read butler's lives and there are countless saints that not just began as atheists they began as like violent violently opposed to christians and mm -hmm. the faith i mean i mean we have we have saints that were prostitutes we have saints that were pimps we have saints that were mass murderers i mean we have, i mean it's unbelievable it really the is. conversion that can take place and i'm not suggesting anyone listen to this podcast or any of those things but i mean <laughs> if anybody ever feels like my sin is just too great i would submit your god is too small because mm -hmm. no sin is bigger than god's mercy and right now there are currently there are people running around right now who are currently opposed to Christianity, who are currently atheists, who one day will be canonized. Amen. Yes. Yeah. That's oh, a reality. That's, so that's just that's a historical reality. <laughs> yeah. So hopeful. Yep. You know, I'm a youth minister. Um, I've been doing this as a volunteer for what, 20 years and as a actual job for going on six. And just kind of thinking about when your conversion happened, being in the trenches with these kids who are in probably some of the most distracted times of their lives. I'm, you know, kind of mm -hmm. shifting gears here, but um, I guess one thing I would want to ask is I know as a youth minister, my desire is that each kid encounters Jesus and we can't make that happen. We can only provide opportunities, but there are days when I have this Correct. like sadness of, I wish they knew God's love the way I know God's love. Um, so I guess what I'm asking is, you know, maybe advice for youth ministers, but also, you know, how do we push through that? I mean, obviously we pre keep preaching the gospel and we keep preaching truth and, and living truth and being an example. But I think I've found that as my years have gone by, I'm getting a little bit more sad about what the world is doing and how the world mm -hmm. is pulling kids away. Um, so I don't know. Any thoughts on that? I would welcome. Well, I'd say, I mean, I, I look, I'm like, I, I, I'm a, I'm a living example of, um, no kids ever too has ever too gone amen. or too checked out. Don't ever ever give up on a young soul. Amen. And oh, least, amen. Especially my parents out there and grandparents are listening who feel might feel as though like, gosh, I I I I messed up. My my kid doesn't go to mass anymore. My kid went to college. They abandoned the faith. I mean, we're sending kids off to college for the greatest atheist professors money can buy. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, 
but truthfully, I'd say any anybody who feels that they're fa- they have failed as a parent or grandparent. First, I want to say you have not failed in, unless you've stopped praying for them. Amen. Um, Amen. Because everyone's on their own journey and their own timetable, and if, especially if they're baptized, their hearts and their consciences are hardwired for God. So you just have to keep praying for them, and you have to Amen. invoke the Blessed Virgin and Saint Joseph at every single turn as much as you possibly can. That's number one. Number two, I think for people in ministry, um, any ministry, but specifically for youth ministry. I, th- I always encourage people. I think we need to pray against the desire to see fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, pray in thanksgiving that God has invited you to work in the vineyard at this time mm-hmm. in salvation history. Well said. Um, pray in gratitude. Um, pray for wisdom and humility. Um, but just pray in, pray in gratitude that God even thinks you worthy to get to be part of the vineyard. Like instead of, re- instead of, um, wanting to see the fruit born sure. really, really lean into the sower and seed parable and be like, I, all I can do, like you said, create opportunities. All I can do is sow seed. Um, if he, mm-hmm. if he wants to throw me a bone and I get to be part of the harvest, yeah. I can see some fruit, you know, like just you know, strength for the journey, like here and there, I'm all for God, throw me yeah. a bone. I'd love to see some success, but, <laughs> but God preserve me from the desire to wake up seeing the success preserve me from the desire to see all that I've done in your name come to fruition and just help me to, to rejoice in the fact that you know my name so good. and that for whatever reason you've 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 deemed me worthy to serve in this very small capacity so good and Lord God just in your mercy um if, if it's your will like just please bless my very meager efforts to build your kingdom um, on earth. You know, um, there was this really, really, really cheesy Christian song in the late eighties. Um, it's called thank you. And the whole idea behind the song is, uh, this guy dies and goes to heaven. And all of a sudden there's all these people walking up. He does not recognize. And they're walking up and they're saying thank you to him, um, for all these different moments in his life, big and small, where he was Christ to them, where it was like like, from giving a dollar to a homeless man to, walking with somebody through a hard time um, to a kind word. But basically it was, it was his idea of heaven was all the people you've ever affected in the name of Jesus are all going to come up to you and they're going to remember you or thank you. And it's going to be this great homecoming. And it's really cheesy music, but the concept is really beautiful, right? That we will never understand this side of heaven, the impact that we've had yeah. on another soul. And that's actually a good thing because yeah. we would be so prideful. <laughs> and we would so quickly so turn true. it on ourselves, right? Yes. God, God loves us enough and knows our pride enough to preserve us from that, from understanding the lengths and the breadth that, you know, that so, so, you know, it's like, I would say like, Hey, if you woke up today, God's not done with you yet. You know, your, your mission's not 100%. over. Yeah. So, you know, the old, there's an old Irish adage. It's uh, Lord, give me work until my life is over and life until my work is done. Mm-hmm. And so um, the greatest gift that any of us can give is not to put our kids in our will, um, for most of us in ministry, it wouldn't make any difference anyway. Um, <laughs> the greatest gift is not to put our kids in our will, but to introduce our kids to the Father's will. Because um, that's the gift of that keeps on giving. That's the gift that's going to lead to eternal wow. life. Well, well said. Thank you. That's Definitely. Beautiful. And I even you know hear that as a mother because yeah. I'm not a youth minister, but I know just with raising children, there's all those thoughts and obviously a lot of fears in this day and age and a lot of joy as well. And I will definitely carry that with me mm-hmm. just knowing, um, going back to what you said earlier in the podcast, we have a God who allows things to unfold in order for um, us to be able to be united with him in eternity. Like, I know I have so much pride that needs to be broken down. And a lot of the suffering that we've experienced, I can look back in retrospect and see like, wow, I wish that had never happened. And I also see that growth had to happen in me that could really only happen through something that painful where I had to really come around to the point of letting go and face all my bitterness and pride. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love that this podcast is addressing people who like uh, of, on the whole spectrum, there may be people who are listening who have very deep faith and will be drawn closer. And there may be people listening who are like, Oh yeah, I identify with like the, um, the other extreme, like the person who could be canonized, but is currently <laughs> like as far away from the faith as possible. So just know like we're, everyone is being spoken to here Mm -hmm. Uh, God loves you equally and is drawing you in your own specific, you know, he has a specific design for each of our lives. So if right now you're experiencing something incredibly painful um, and you don't know why God is doing this to you, or if you're very comfortable and and you think you don't need God like this, 
this podcast is speaking to everyone in that, you know, in our own particular places. Yeah. And honestly, what holiness looks like in your life is going to change from season to season. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, your prayer life is, and I think sometimes we get down on ourselves. I see as, as you just mentioned, like, you know, being a mom, like I see this, especially with moms of littles that there's like this tremendous amount of guilt that ends up happening. Cause they're like, I used to have like this robust prayer life. I used to do my daily devotional. Maybe I made like daily mass a couple times. I was going to adoration. I was in this girls group. And all of a sudden it's like, God, you know, might send you one or two, or three little, like little, little, little ones. You know, it's a, it's a new season. And I, I, I hear this all the time from moms, um, from moms like this. There's this guilt because they can't pray the way they used to, or that it puts them out of their rhythm or that kind of a thing. I remember coming in one point, we had a, we had a seven, a three and a one-year-old all at the same time, or six, three and one all at the same time. And I came in and I'd been on a trip for two days. I mean, my, my poor wife, I mean, she's like running single mom and you know, she's just, you know, trying to play, you know, um, <laughs> she's trying to play defense trying like, to survive you know, a little <laughs> water line. And I came in and she looks at me. She's like, if I change one more dirty diaper today, she's like, I, she's like, she goes, I've changed 50 dirty diapers. And I'm like, well, three more, you'll have a rosary. And it was a joke, <laughs> right? Um, not a smart joke from her husband has been gone through. I learned that really quick, but, um, but you know, but, but I mean, we got the kids down that night, poured a glass of wine, went in our prayer room. We were just, and she was like, in recounting just like what a failure should my wife felt mm. like. And I'm like, looking at this woman and I'm like, you are a superhero. Yeah. Like you cannot be further from a failure. Are yeah. you kidding me? But, but I think that we, it was, it was like one of those, like the, um, it was like a, like, like, you know, to define the relationship talk, you have to have sometimes mm-hmm. it was almost like a redefine the relationship talk you have to have with God mm-hmm. and re-looking at what it looks like to be quote unquote successful, you know, and faithful at a different season in your life, you know? Totally. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's, I mean, for some people are like, well, I used to go to, I, 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 you know, I never get to daily mass or I used to go all the time. Well, maybe your job has changed. Maybe other things have changed like that, that you can't control. I think we have to be able to look at our life and say, am I earnestly seeking God mm-hmm. in, in every way I can? in the, mm-hmm. in the situation I'm in right yeah, now currently, season. you know, and, and I think ultimately what ends up happening is like, we, we lean on those, those types of prayer we like the most. And that becomes like our whoopee and our kind of our, like our, 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 yep. um, our passy, like our comfort zone. Right. right. <laughs> and sometimes God's trying to develop other kinds of prayer lives or other exactly. forms of prayer in us to round us out. So what, what becomes our will be our passy kind of, he's going to say, I'm going to make that difficult right now. So maybe you love going to adoration or last thing, maybe that's difficult for a season and you're going to have to come seek me over here. Like in my mm-hmm. world, or come seek me over here in some other form of prayer, not because he doesn't love us, but because he's right. trying to grow us in sanctity. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Insight. I really resonate with that because I went from being a youth minister who was able to prioritize all of the prayer and daily math and everything to then being a mom and, um, we're about to have three under three. <laughs> um, and so it's definitely <laughs> you're on the verge of canonization. <laughs> There's, there's an, there's an old, there's an old Jewish proverb that said the close, um, the only mistake God ever made was giving a woman only, giving a mother only two arms, which I thought was really brilliant. Yes. Yes. I could definitely use another one. Um, but yeah, I was talking with my spiritual director at the beginning of Lent and just kind of realizing, you know, it's been my, our oldest son, he'll be turning three, um, We'll have three under three for a month. So he'll be turning three soon. Um, but it's been almost three years that I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what my prayer life looks like because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm in first trimester again. I'm pregnant. I have a toddler, you know, I have a newborn and I'm healing. And it's just like, feels like I'm constantly in a new season. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this idea of, you know, how everyone has like their word of the year um, or like their saint of the year. But for me, it's like, and I think for a lot of women also, like, no, we need to look at this season by season. Like, what is my prayer life in this season? What is my word Mm -hmm. for this season? What is God asking of me in this season? Um, And I loved how you said, you know, like, maybe you're really used to going to adoration, but now maybe God is asking you to try something else because adoration is not possible right now. Um, And my spiritual director, he said the same thing. He was like, I want you going into Lent. I don't want you to try and like challenge yourself with all these crazy things. I want you to Mm -hmm. make it doable and realistic. And if you're going to go to adoration, I want you to pick the most comfortable time for you because then you won't quit, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, if you do mess up on a day or even a week, or maybe it's like, oh my gosh, 
it's Holy Week all of a sudden, and mm-hmm. I like have messed up on all of my Lenten right. promises. Um, you can still make that the best Holy Week. Like you don't have to say, oh, well, I messed up. I'm just going to, you know, not do it anymore. So yeah, it just really resonated with all of that. And yeah, just think it's awesome. But I think we'll be going into seasons are like, that's what, what does a church teach us every year? It's about seasons. (laughs) Time, Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter. I mean, it's about seasons. What does scripture teach us? Everything's about the season. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you're a farmer and it's agricultural, whether mm-hmm. it's when you go to war, when you're back at home, I mean, it's all about seasons mm-hmm. and, and what season you're in. And that's like, it, it's like, and how, how they come to know God. I mean, everything was so seasonal. It was farming or fishing or war or anything. Yeah. It's like God's, God constantly is trying to ingrain this in us, mm-hmm. but we're just, you know, we're, we're kind of too, <laughs> we're too stupid to figure Always out. Trying to I blame daylight savings time. That's what I blame. <laughs> yeah, that is so beautiful. Um, well, I would love to move into mini miracles now. And um, basically, this is the part of the episode where we just, you know, take the discussion from today and then look at our, our current lives right now and see the way that God is moving or working. So when we share mini miracles, it can be a truly miraculous encounter with God or experience, but also just, you know, a highlight from your recent life. Um, and so, Mark, you can go last. So you have some time to think about it. <laughs> Margaret, what's Agreed. your mini miracle? Um, it's so cool because a lot of times I think of my mini miracle and then it ties in with the story or the, our guest's story. Mm-hmm. So my mini miracle today is detachment. Um, and Mark, you were talking about, you know, we find it's so easy to find a different idol or God if we don't go to our heavenly father. And one of the big things I struggle with is just comfort. You know, we're in an age of comfort. You have your hot coffee with you. You have whatever it is, hot showers. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a comfortable thing. That's a wonderful thing. Um, but I've lately been trying to detach from some of mine and I'm realizing that, you know, it's kind of scary at first, like, Oh, I'm not going to eat that chocolate I eat every day. Or, and you know, sometimes it's a minor thing, but it actually is like transforming my heart um, and going to the Lord in moments of when I would like maybe eat for comfort and just going to him instead. So I've really seen a lot of fruit from that um, even detachment from sleeping in and things like that. So that's my miracle. It's just, it's scary to do, but then when you do it, it's, it's like, there's so much blessing. So mm-hmm. that's mine, Paige. Mine is chiropractic care. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm in my third trimester and I have never prioritized chiropractic care while pregnant. I've always done it postpartum. Oh. Um, and so with this pregnancy, I decided, okay, once I get into third trimester, I'm going to go weekly um, just because I've heard how beneficial it is. And I have just been sleeping so well at night. My hips don't hurt anymore. Mm. Like it's just been amazing. And I really like my chiropractor also. So yes, just thank you to all the chiropractors (laughs) who help us pregnant mamas. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, I have not had a chance to share this yet in the podcast. So my many miracles, the birth of my daughter, Isabella, and um, it, you know, just going back to the miracle of life once again, you know, Thinking about just a few years ago, my husband and I were still wondering if we'd ever have a viable pregnancy or get to meet any of our kids in this life. And now we have two beautiful, healthy children. And I have this miracle of a daughter that I spend my whole day, you know, just Mm -hmm. getting to cherish time with her. So that is my miracle. And she sleeps well. Yes. Yes. It is taking an extreme diet to get the good sleep, but that's yes. also been a miracle that we've been able to figure out mm-hmm. allergy issues way earlier than we did with my son. Mm-hmm. And it's changed our lives. So <laughs> anyway, Mark, what is your mini miracle? Um, I think I, I love that you three are doing this podcast. I really, really do. And I think it's, <laughs> that's amazing. And I think that oftentimes um, we hear about all these faithful women that are running around, but we, but it's always sort of like, and then there's the men and then there's the husbands, mm-hmm. like, and they're not into their faith and they just don't engage. And we're, t- and you'll hear about, you know, you hear about widows in scripture and, I'll sit in mass some Sundays and I'll look and see spiritual widows, you know, where where a mom has the kids in tow and she's coming into mass and dad's out praying the 18 stations or whatever. Um, And I, this last weekend uh, for life team, every year we we host an annual men's retreat down in Georgia. And uh, last week we had 186 men of all ages. It was like, it was the largest one we had, but 186 men from, and and they came from other States um, came in and it was just this really powerful Mm -hmm 
powerful event. Um, and everyone left saying like, I'm taking, I'm bringing my son-in-law next year. I'm bringing my, I'm bringing my three mm-hmm. buddies from work. I mean, we had, wow. we had people, it was, it was so blessed. There was so much grace, but I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes modern men get a really bad rap and for good reason for a lot of them. Yeah. But, um, but there are faithful men out there who are desiring to go deeper in their faith and they're desiring uh, a, a deep relationship with God and with their brothers in Christ. Um, and they just don't have a lot of opportunities or they don't yeah. take a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's because they are unwilling and they're scared. And sometimes it's because uh, maybe they're, they're feeling there's too much pressure for what, for, you know, from job or work or whatever else. But I just, it was a miracle for me because um, to come back, you know, post COVID and to see so many throngs, so many groups of men wanting that and desiring that. And I think there's a, there is a growing, not, I mean, there, there's a, there's a growing pandemic of, of um, there's a lack of, of true men. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. a lack and there's a true fatherlessness in our society, yep. um, both emotionally and spiritually in, the, in a lot of homes. And I just, it was really inspiring to me to see so many men who desperately desire Jesus and they mm-hmm. desire to be men of God and men of Many faith. Many of them are and, single, and, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, you know a mixer. I bet no, you there's, there's a like a form to fill out at the end next year. Are you looking for a case faithful Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. So, no, but they're, um, I think that it's, it was really, it was inspiring. It was really inspiring. That's amazing. And, um, that amazing. It, it fills me with hope. You know? Amen. Thanks for sharing that. I thought of that actually with you, Mark, just your conversion and the conference I went to years ago, CYMC, and seeing all these men on stage who were so passionate about the faith that is hopeful because I've been calling it a, an epidemic epidemic for years, the, the lack of good men. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's beautiful and hopeful and wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And before we close in prayer, I don't think you mentioned this, but what is CIO of Life Team? Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> CIO is uh, is Chief Innovation Officer. Um, I've been at Life Team International now for uh, I just I'm finishing my 26th year. I think I've had about five or six different business cards and titles. Um, <laughs> it's sort of evolved over time, but really, what I get to do, uh, I get to touch. Uh, pretty much everything in the organization, and um, my job daily is just to try to make good things better. Um, so mm-hmm. what, what else can we do? Cause we've been around, life has been around for, um, like 30, it'll be 38 years now this, wow. uh, this, this summer. Um, so a lot of times it'd be easy kind of to rest on your laurels and that sort yep. of a thing. And that's, but that's not being Holy Spirit led or Holy Spirit driven. So it's a lot of prayer and a lot of, I get to be very creative. Um, I get to work with different teams. So, uh, it's just, how can we do what we're doing better? How can we reach more souls? How can we mm-hmm. change where we're doing things to become more efficient, to become holier, to become, um, to, to become better. So it's just, just constantly trying to innovate in how we're doing ministry, whether that's social media, whether it's our events, whether that's our camps, uh, mm-hmm. our trainings, um, our resourcing, um, how we can, how we can, uh, effectively train and equip and empower more parishes, more youth ministers, more priests, more core members, catechists, whether they're paid or volunteer, how we can reach more kids, whether that's um, face-to-face or events online, social, whatever it is. Um, so just, uh, yeah. I get to, I get to, I get to work with people who are so much more talented than I am <laughs> and I get to have dreams and ideas and they get to go make them a reality. So um, it sounds like a big title. Some days it gets you a cup of coffee, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And Life Teen, if you haven't heard of it or aren't familiar with it, it is an amazing, amazing organization. Um, and so we will put that in the show notes, the just the Life Teen website. So if anyone's interested in looking into their camps or um, having Life Teen at your parish or going to the Life Teen Steubenville conferences or literally any other type of event that Life Teen does, um, you will be able to check that out just because it is a phenomenal organization that has just done so much work mm-hmm. for yes. God's kingdom. Yeah, impacting the yeah, world. Yeah, you mentioned CYMC as our Catholic Ministry Convention it happens in June. Come down to the Sun. It's a five star resort. We have a party. There's a lot of prayer, a lot of fun. Lot of <laughs> I don't know why you have youth ministers from all over the country, all over the world. I mean, yeah, it's great. And actually, Blast. I will say one of or two of my friends who I knew from like different areas of life, they met at CYMC and they are now married. Oh, so. <laughs> well, let me say there's there's a whole lot of babies that come out of that convention. Yeah. Let me say a whole lot of marriages. I'm just. <laughs> I'm um, just saying. 100 <laughs> degrees in June is not my forte. So hey, but, you guys can do that in no, December. But there's no humidity. Hello. <laughs> I live guys, in Denver. Psh, it's still hot. You should just do CYMC in Alaska. Perfect yeah, summer weather. So. <laughs> All yeah, right. Well, that's I, easy to get to. We'll host, we'll host it in Sitka. Very easy. Welcome to Sitka. <laughs> not too hard for me. <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to close this out here, but um, before I close this in prayer, I want to thank Mark for taking the time. I know you're super busy. Um, so it's been a huge gift to have you. And also, I just want to shout out to Helena, my cousin, who connected us um, with Rachel, your assistant. So Rachel and Helena, thank you for all the coordinating. And Mark, thank you for your time. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you oh, so much. My pleasure. You all are wonderful. Anytime. In the name of the Father, Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you um, for the gift of faith, for the sacraments, for working on our hard hearts. Thank you for loving us, no matter where we are in life, and for always pursuing us. I pray for all of us today and anyone listening who's struggling in faith. I pray for the courage to open the door, even just a crack, and ask the Lord to reveal himself to you, to us. And I just pray that he would do so, that our hearts would be open to be loved by the one who loves us perfectly and created us for good. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, Amen. and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray, pray for, for us. us. Right. <laughs> awesome. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Moving Mountains podcast. If you have a miracle story to tell, please call our hotline at 412-449-9609. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Moving Mountains Podcast AK. We encourage you to subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share our podcast with others. We'll see you next time.